welcome to the Small Firms Association podcast. I'm Angie Mazzetti and today we are joined by Tressa Doran, who's Head of Commercial and Vodafone Business. You're very welcome. And Vanessa Tierney, who's co-founder and executive chair from Abodu. Did I say that right? You did. Okay. Also joining us is Helen Quinn, who is the executive with the Small Firms Association. And what we're going to talk about today is smart working. What do we mean by smart working, Vanessa? Okay, so the, the official definition of smart working is when you enable an employee or a contractor to work more flexibly. So enabling them to work from home, a hub, which is a co-working space, or in a hybrid model. And they can do that now because of the evolution of connectivity. People can work off their phones or on their tablets or on their iPads. Um, There are more and more co-working spaces popping up around the country. There's over 200. And then finally, it's, it's enablement. It's that trust factor to say, look, we trust you to do the work outside of the office and seeing the results um, because of it. Now, we know where Vodafone come into it and the Small Firms Association. But what does Abodu actually do? I mean, we've heard that it's kind of like the Tinder for business. So what do you actually do? Um, I laugh with that comment. But, you know, you're right, because we do we do we match companies with um, employees and contractors. But it all happens on a data tech platform that's really intelligent matching but I think what's really important to highlight is that when people register in Abodu they're anonymous which is important when you're looking at diverse groups that want to re-enter the workforce returning parents people with mobility issues older people who aren't ready to retire or anyone wants flexibility we have a lot of first-time buyers in Dublin that can't afford the house prices so they register in Abodu they input all their requirements as to what they're looking for and then they're matched with an opportunity that gives them the flexibility that they're looking for. How does Vodafone come into this, Tressa? Um, so the, the main reason that um, we have people that can work smartly nowadays is because of technology. So if you kind of think about a number of years ago in an office environment, you might have had you know, pieces of software that were on particular machines and you had to sit at that machine to do what you needed to do. So since the evolution of cloud, all of this is available through the internet. So you can actually now, as Vanessa said, on your iPad, your tablet or your laptop from anywhere, go onto a website, log in, and all of your information is there and you can effectively do that work from anywhere. Um, And what really enables that now is really good broadband and really good connectivity. Um, And mobile itself is, is not just the key thing. You know, it's actually the whole ecosystem has built out now that you have really good 4G coverage. Phones are not phones anymore. I think the last thing people do with their phones now is actually have telephone conversations. They're accessing information on the go. They're editing their social media. They're invoicing customers as they meet them, as they complete work. you know, particularly field-based people, they don't necessarily have to go back to HQ all of the time to maybe input orders or to do admin. All of that can be done in real time on the road or, or remotely. So it's very efficient. It's very efficient. And now we've even newer tools coming down like IoT, you know, Internet of Things and the analytics that will come with that. And that's a huge enabler to basically mean people don't have to be physically in any space at a particular time to do any one thing. They can really do anything from anywhere. So, Helen, how does this actually help people in small businesses? 
So, yeah, we're delighted to partner with Vodafone and Abodu to help our members, small business owners, embrace smart working. And we already have some case studies where our members have already embraced it. They have found that it has reduced costs. Um, one member t- reported that during the snow, all of their staff could still work remotely, which was great. Um, and another member talked about how absenteeism went down. So there is more of a drive for flexible work working, remote working from employees, but also I think businesses are beginning to see the the business case for it, the sense for it. Okay, but is there a sort of a worry? I think you were telling me, Trassa, that, you know, 10% of companies are embracing it. So that means that there's 90% who aren't. I mean, what are the fears around it? Are they afraid that people are going to be sitting in their jammies eating cornflakes instead of doing their work? Yeah, th- that's certainly part of it. So we did a piece of research just late last year and we found a couple of kind of key themes come through. So one was definitely that there's a huge appetite amongst employees to have a flexible working or a smart working arrangement with their employer. Like about 77% of people said that that's what they wanted. Um, but we only had about 9% of companies say that they had a formal policy in place. So you have a complete disconnect there between the appetite of the workforce and what's available. Um, we also then saw that many people said that they would move jobs for this. Over a third of people said that they would actually move job to get access to a smart working arrangement. Um, so with companies saying that access to talent is a huge uh, priority for them. And I think that's consistent with with the findings of the Small Firms Association as well. You have this scenario coming up where people are really seeking this, you know, flexible work-life balance, if you want to call it that. But the key thing that they're going to need is for their work to fit in with that. So really, if the culture of the company doesn't allow for it, it could end up being a huge barrier. And and culture was the key thing that came through as being the reason why people weren't embracing this. So the worry that the work might not be done if people aren't in front of me, how do I know they're actually working? We know all these kind of funny stereotypes that people have, you know, like people just in their pyjamas eating cornflakes or something at home. Sometimes people do actually work better when they're in their jammies. Absolutely, yeah. And I I actually came across an article recently which was saying that, you know, because of smart working now, people can actually, they do certain types of work at the office and certain types of work at home. And that home gives a very peaceful environment with very little distraction that actually allows them to get work done far faster and far quicker and they just get that kind of space to think. So I think definitely the companies that are embracing it are reaping the rewards. So like Helen was saying, you know, productivity going up and I know um, uh, Vanessa has some insights on that as well. But it's not just the employee that benefits. The company itself certainly will see a benefit to, to their own bottom line as well. I think that bit of insight that you have from your research that, you know, uh, people want flexibility. And I suppose we have an assumption that it's really the mammies and the women who want the flexibility. But is that what you're finding, Vanessa? Is there a, a, an appetite for flexibility all around? Yeah, it's huge. Um, the, the survey gave us such insight with Vodafone to what people want. But if, if, we, if we take our small country and the fact that there is 1.9 million people commuting every single day, and I think I was reading the other day the um, congestion or the amount of time it takes to get somewhere, it's 16% more than it was a year or two ago. Which if you're doing a two hour trip every single day, that's 10 hours a week, that's 40 hours a month. I mean, that's a week of work every month that you're sitting in a car. And the reality is that people are getting tired of it. So there are compelling reasons like the under 
employed or skilled un- underemployed across the country and the 79 black spots there's talent there with skill that have worked through their 20s and for whatever reason they're not working now but there are people that are getting really tired of the daily commute and I think companies going back to Trass's point around you know their their views of remote working smart working there's two ways to look at it one they can wait till they're forced into it when they start losing as people say they're A players, because that's going to happen. That will be the consequence of not taking proactive steps. Or two, look at how you're measuring your employees' performance and rather saying, right, we're going to measure on presenteeism, which many organisations still do, which is crazy. Shouldn't it be on productivity? And in fact, if you have an employee that can achieve the same as someone else that takes five days in four days, and your business is still sustainable, isn't that better? Because the stats are there. Productivity goes up by 15% which if you think about your bottom line at the end of the year, 15% is huge. Attrition improves by 40%. Once again, that's massive. You can put a number against each of these. And as a small business, and I've run a small business in the past, these are absolute fundamental to the growth of the business. And when you lose someone, one person, a team of five, it could just fall the sales for the year or the profit for the year. So I think that um, companies, rather than saying, we're just going to wait to see how this plays out, look at the case studies online with the SFA, look at the survey by Vodafone, reach out to a Bodu to see what is the talent out there because it exists. Jennifer Petrolieri, a professor in INSEAD, was over last week with uh, IBEC and she was saying that uh, one of the problems big companies have now is retaining uh, couples, um, either male-male or female-male, um, uh, or female-female, um, who want to, to work, but they, they can't because they've got, they, maybe one wants to be transferred abroad or, or the company wants one, but they say if they make small accommodations around flexibility, they're much more likely to retain these senior, very valuable people. I presume it's the same in small companies, is it? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, retaining key talent and key skills within your business is crucial. I mean, any business knows when you've got people, even if it's key relationships that they have, whether it be with customers or with suppliers, like, I mean, they're so valuable and they're so difficult to replicate, you know, and I think you've a stat around... Uh, a vacancy can cost anything from, I think, 50% of the annual salary to 250% of the annual salary of the employee when it's when they leave. So if you kind of think about a small business that maybe has 7, 10, 12 people, that vacancy is a massive cost to that business. Um, and I think that really and truly, if you think about the war on talent that we have, like the unemployment levels are very low at the moment and a lot of new skills are needed in business as businesses evolve and as, as they kind of embrace, you know, the, the, the new digital ways of working and all of that. If you are trying to recruit those skills into your company, it's very difficult to attract that talent in and compete with some of the very big employer brands that are offering, you know, big packages, lots of kind of fringe benefits, whether that be like gyms at work and all the rest of it. If you are a small business and you're based in Gorey or Portlaoise or whatever and you want to recruit say a digital marketeer one thing that you can offer is actually a smart working arrangement and it's a huge advantage that is of high value to potential employee that would actually make them want to work there and it also allows you to recruit from a much larger pool of people because if you're only going to recruit from a pool of people who are within 45 minutes to an hour of your office that's a very small radius where so you're limiting yourself you're limiting yourself mm. so if you are able to recruit you know even internationally if you want to you're completely liberated from that kind of physical constraint and you can 
get talent from a place that you never thought was possible. And it's win-win because you might have somebody who wants to relocate to the west of Ireland and they want to, you know, they want to leave the kind of the busyness and the commuting and all the rest of it, but they still want to reach their personal and career goals. They might still have an awful lot to offer. And it's just, a, it's a it's a more modern way. And I, and I really do believe it's what's going to take off. I, I We kind of sometimes talk about the... The, the way of working that we have today comes from manufacturing. It comes from Henry Ford from like 150 years ago when they set up the 40-hour working week to, to basically manufacture goods. And it's a very um, male model of work, you know, absolutely. from the 50s or 60s as well. Yeah, isn't it? We like, also, yeah, we see it in movies and stuff all the time, like, you know, yeah. from from like the 50s and 60s, the men going off to, to work for the week and like the women the staying at home. The yeah, staying at home yeah. with the kids. And that those days are long gone, you know, and particularly I think we five generations at work now, too. So the appetite is there, like particularly the younger people coming through. They they want and expect to work from anywhere. Yeah. They're just yeah. they're, they're geared up. And for do you it. find this matters to men? As I was asking Vanessa there. It, does it matter as much to men and why? Absolutely. I Because, you know, you were kind of mentioning earlier the the very typical use case we talk about is, you know, the, the children and dropping children off to school and being one to be there for when they have after school activities or the plays or just basically to spend time with them just not to be away all the time but there's loads of personal goals that people want to reach as well like so many people are training for different sports events so many people are investing time into retraining themselves and like night courses and things but like as Vanessa said you know in our community each way is an extra week's work per month I mean if you've got that week like it doesn't you don't have to have you don't have to do anything particularly revolutionary with it it's time back it's the most finite resource we have you're never going to get it back yeah. once it's gone it's gone and I just think that people that that, that balance that work-life balance I know that phrase is, is quite a number of years old but I do think people just oh, it still matters it still people. matters and yeah. you know no one gets to the end of their life and kind of you know talk about what they might have achieved at work you know people tend mm. to reflect on their personal goals and what they what they did personally Isn't there an ad on tv said nobody ever yeah exactly <laughs> yeah Helen, have you found this with your members and you've taken this uh, this whole topic on tour in various places around the country tell us about that yeah we have so um sfa vodafone and aboda have been around uh, regionally talking about this and um, we've had really good interaction from the attendees about it some who are considering it some who have already embraced it and particularly like with some of our members we, we did our own survey and they've already embraced um so we have like one company they have people from international who work but you wouldn't know you know you you just come through and they're giving the same service as the colleagues that are in the office and others that have talked about the stress of the commuting mm. you know and um, they've implemented it and their employees found that their stress levels went down and um, because that's it that's a big issue as well um so and also that just to say that from eu policy they're driving more there's a um a directive coming through on work-life balance and of being able to offer flexibility so i'm really excited for on behalf of the sfa and with vodafone that we're actually ahead of the curve and that we have all of these tools in place including a sample flexible working policy a checklist because a lot of employers are afraid of okay well what are my health and safety obligations what are my employer obligations so those are and and it's a bit of an unknown so we were kind of trying to pre 
preempt that and going through covering the sort of the five main areas you know what to do around data protection what to do around health and safety because it does apply if somebody's working from home um, or in a co-working space what to do around equality you know you can use this now as a reasonable accommodation for somebody who's got a disability you know it's it enhances diversity um, and then the other, like around working time, that's another big one. So managing that when someone's working remotely, that they're not going to work 60, 70 hours every week. So just questions, taking them through all of these things to consider. And then the day to day management of the remote working relationship. Is it getting harder, Vanessa, for employers uh, and I suppose people, employees as well, to just take on board the concept of this new way of working. It's changing so much, isn't it? Yeah, it really, it is and it isn't in that I think a lot of organisations, if they ask themselves, do they have any element of flexibility as it stands today? So can people finish early on a Friday? Can they uh, job share? Can they um, have some flexibility? Uh, Field uh, salespeople, they've been smart working for 20, 30 years. What they'll realise is actually they have smart working enabled within their organisation. They most likely just don't have a formal structure policy. And, you know, the scaremongering online, if you look at the situation with Yahoo and IBM, who you turned on the decision because it wasn't working and where it fell down was the cultural engagement or the buy-in from high level. They didn't invest enough. Now, the beauty of smart working, you know, generally when you have to invest in something in your organisation, even as a small business, you think cash flow, I'm going to have to get money. But the reality is there is a huge saving, you know, um, for every employee that works from home. If they go 100% remote, you're looking at savings of over 10,000 euros per employee per year. But even if you enable 50%, using that money to invest in getting the consultants in to be able to help with smart working. We do um, SME smart working audits that enable a business in one day to just look at their business and analyse six key areas, including the technology and HR and the engagement, but interviewing everybody to see who's on board and who's not because we're working in interesting times as three generations working in the workplace at the moment all have very different views on smart working but it's about bringing everyone together and I think what I'd say around the the working day going on Trass's point I mean it's madness that we're still doing the same thing that we've been doing for 50 years and Everybody needs to really realise that if we measure on productivity, everyone works differently. As long as there's a few hours during the day, depending on the job that you're doing, that you're made available, that you can communicate with the team, the rest should be a down, a down to, I, I love the phrase actually work-life harmony, because I think it's impossible to balance everything with kids. But harmony is key. So, you know, personally speaking, I start really early in the morning. I get all my admin out of the way, then look after the kids. Then it's a few hours of team meetings, video meetings, then it's wrapping up on my email, then it's the kids again, dinner, and then maybe half an hour of, of work. My day is longer, but I get so much done. And and that's now, that's the future. And that's what millennials want. I just think what you were saying, there, there must be a positive sustainability factor in this, that we're not wasting as much energy in cars and in transport. Well, actually, on that point, um, last week, I was meant to go, but our CEO went to the Business of Peace Summit in Oslo in Norway. So we were asked to come over and speak about the impact of smart working to sustainability and the environment. And it's huge. Like to give you an example, if every company in the world embraced smart working, even a percentage of it, we would reduce uh, global emissions by 7%, which is astronomical. And we're all facing carbon tax on our pay slips in the next, what, year or two? Um, We can proactively do something if government get behind it, but it really is actually S 
this SME down and enterprise to take control of this and make it happen. Very positive note. <laughs> Can I just ask you, Tressa, what I've, I've heard you talk about the four pillars. Is it four or five mm-hmm. pillars of smart working? What are they before we wrap up? Yeah, so the first one is around um, is around attracting key staff and retaining key staff. So that that's probably going to be the, the single most uh, or the biggest priority that we see amongst companies at the moment. It's, it's very high up on their agendas at the moment. Um, the second is around culture. So Vanessa spoke about having the right culture in place to actually enable smart working because, you know, while you can invest maybe in some kind of technology, but if you don't invest in the training and the cultural part, it'll all fall a bit flat and you might find that you don't get the benefits and it really is so worthwhile to kind of think about the cultural piece because that's going to be the kind of the that's the the magic sauce or whatever that that actually gets you to to reap all of the benefits all the way through the business um thirdly then i suppose it's around the overall bottom line savings that you can get as a business not just what the benefits are for the employees because i suppose they're well understood but actually in terms of your office space you know if you if you need to grow as a business does that mean that you need to take on a larger more expensive office the answer is no because if you embrace smart working you can actually make the space that you have work very efficiently for you um even at vodafone we have people who use co-working hubs in the west of Ireland, in Sligo and in Galway, you know, we don't we don't need to have offices there. We have people who work out of the the different co-working spaces. They network with all of the other people that were there. It's a professional office environment. It gives all of the benefits that a that a you know a workplace has, but without the commitment of actually having to have rent. 20, you know, 52 weeks of the year, they're, it's an amazing initiative and that's why they're springing up all over the place. Um, and the last pillar then is connectivity. So technology is really the enabler that brings all of this together. You know, we talked a little bit about cloud and how that's a huge factor in, in you know, physical location not being uh, playing a part, but also new new tools that come down. So things like unified communications. And I suppose if you ask three or four people what the definition of unified communications was, you probably get very broad, uh, different answers. But for me, it's just bringing the way you communicate together into one platform because people don't just speak on the phone now. They're WhatsApping, they're texting, they're instant messaging. This is all very normal, like, and you know, in large companies have had to invest very large sums of money in the past to get access to all of these kind of ways of working. But nowadays, a lot of these tools are available in very, very cost effective models, you know, and like companies like ourselves at Vodafone, we have tools there that are very much geared up towards small businesses to actually bring you know all of the benefits that these can I can, add something can, there that yeah, so sure. we've just gone live on one net we're very excited excited it's a Vodafone product and the best way I've described it to someone earlier this morning is that I feel traditionally when you had an office and you wanted everyone to be able to communicate internally and you have your servers and, and so on what OneNet are enabling us to do is we're we're scattered all over Ireland and England and beyond but we can now all communicate as if we were in the same office but it's instant and it's on the cloud. And, and so that's the best way to describe it. And it's available for small businesses, which makes a big difference. Brilliant. Helen, we're going to wrap up now. But just tell me, would you encourage all, all your members to embrace this new form, this new way of thinking, of smart working? I would absolutely, but with one caveat, if it fits their business. I mean, some businesses, they're not going to be able to embrace smart working. But if you can, or there may be elements of your business, say a manufacturing, they're not really going to be able to do it. Um, but they might be able to uh, have some of their admin staff work remotely 
if it works for them, absolutely, it's a great way. I would highly recommend it. Helen Quinn, thank you so much. Also, Trassa Doran, Head of Commercial at Vodafone, and Vanessa Thierry from Abodu. Thank you all so much for joining us on the podcast. I feel thank like you. I've learned an awful lot so much myself. Don't forget, if you want to follow us on SoundCloud, the Small Firms Association on SoundCloud, on Twitter and in LinkedIn, of course, you can keep you up to date on all the latest developments. So until the next time from me, Angie Mazzetti and all of us here, goodbye and take care. <laughs>